Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. You guys have a favorite wrestler in a in a film performance, like like favorite time you're a wrestler just showed up in a movie and you're like, why is he here? And The Rock is the obvious choice for quality. I think was Sting in anything? Yes, but it was a movie about wrestling. Oh, little film called Ready to Rumble, starring David Arquette. That's probably my pick, even though I've never seen it. Okay, no. Were there any real wrestlers in The Wrestler? I think there were, but I don't know who was in it. They're like Zandig level. Yeah, they're probably more CZW <laughs> fellas. Gotcha. <laughs> they went real underground for that one. Uh, Kevin Nash in Turtles 2. Turtles 2 as Super Shredder. That's a great pick. It's it is a great good. pick. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I like even necessarily am aware of... I mean, any... you're going to say Kevin Nash in the Magic Mike series, I presume. No, actually, I was going to go with... Oh, that's great. He's wonderful as Tarzan. But um, <laughs> with an expanded role in Magic Mike 2. Uh, but... I am a painting big fan. backstory. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Have you seen it yet? No. Oh, he's got a torture I just, backstory. I, I listened he's, to the episode and it's great. Yeah, he's got a beautiful backstory. It's one of my favorite episodes. Um, if you watch it, let me know because I want to see it. It's, it's the movie? Yeah. Really? Oh, you didn't go? No. It's really good. Um, yeah, the uh, I watched one scene on YouTube and it was the Joe Manginello gas That is the sequence. best scene in the movie. Oh, it was amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> I busted out laughing at exactly the part you're supposed to break out yep. laughing. They and knew exactly what they were doing. So well done. It, wonderful. I was right in that girl's shoes. I was like, this is kind of funny, but I don't know how to react. And then I just lost it right yep. at the right part. Totally lost your cool. I got to say, um, yeah. Effective. Suburban Commando. Ooh. Yep. But not, not necessarily for Hulk Hogan. No. No, one of the alien villains, one of the alien goons in the movie is the Undertaker, pre-Undertaker. I love that. Pre there, there is pre-Undertaker? There's pre, yeah, yeah. He is not Undertaken wow. yet. He, he's just simply Mark Calloway. <laughs> Mark Calloway actor. <laughs> Heir to a golf empire. Still, yes. in, the, still in the living. Yeah, st- hasn't, not, he's not ventured into Death Valley yet. That's good. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's in that movie, um, and he fights Hulk Hogan. It's pretty good. Plus, Christopher Lloyd and Hulk Hogan have wonderful chemistry. They on do. Screen. It's actually really good. Have you ever seen this movie? No. It's awesome. It has one of the funnier dad jokes in a movie that you'll ever see. It, it has a couple pretty pretty his, good ones. There's one that's so funny. It. You need to watch Suburban Commando. Honestly, you really should watch it. Uh, hey. It's got like prime Christopher Lloyd, and it's got prime Hogan. What year is this? A ninety ninety. I would or say like, I would say yeah, right in there. Let's find post- out. Post Back to the Future, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I think he pre Undertaker. He had made the first pre Back Dennis to the Future, the maybe the second one, but I don't know how okay. far apart the Back to the Future movies are. So, well, welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Alex. Oh, I'm Nick. I'm Willie. Today we're going to talk about all of this wrestling stuff that we've been talking about. We're also going to talk about what we've been watching, and then finally we're going to end with a review of the first three episodes. Of Netflix's Jessica Jones. Netflix's Marvel's Jessica Jones. Before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us about the show, the things that we talk about. We're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please talk to us there. 
Uh, MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 153 plus bonus episodes with full show notes and timestamps so you can skip over the spoilers. And uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop on Amazon. And part of the money that you spend will come to us so we can make our show and network even better. The first thing we'll do is buy Alex a copy of Suburban Commando on DVD. Yeah, that we that we can pledge that to you right now. Yes. But uh, speaking of the network, we uh, recorded a Fallout 4 review on Sunday. So please go look at the Midwest Game Nerds feed or MidwestGameNerds.com uh, to check that out. And um, yeah. That's 1991, Alex. 91, okay. That's good. That's post Back to the Future 3. So he had done the whole trilogy. Of that he was thing, looking so. for a new franchise then, and this was the answer. Yeah. yeah it clearly, it didn't. It what should is have the, been. What is the IMDb synopsis? I, I, can, I can pull um, it up. The IMDb synopsis, let me see if I can get that pulled up here. I recall a bit about aliens. I beat you. Shep Ramsey is an interstellar hero, righting wrongs, etc. His ship is damaged right after a fight with an interstellar nasty, and he must hide out on Earth until he can recharge. He leaves his power suit at home, but still finds himself unable to allow wrongs to go unrighted, and so mixes up with bad drivers, offensive paper boys, muggers, and the like. Then the family he's staying with finds his power suit, and the father tries it on. What? (laughs) So... Hulk, okay, it's pretty so Hulk, cut and dry. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is Shep. He's Shep Ramsey. Christopher yes. Lloyd is Intergalactic the Intergalactic hero. Yes. All right. Absolutely. All right. Hero of the common man. So what we've been watching, I don't know who wants to start. Um, I could probably kick things off. I'm cool with that. I'm not yeah. shy. What were you watching, Willie? Um, well, other than Jessica Jones, of which I watched all 12 episodes, because I'm an insane person. Well, there's 13, 13. of them. So 13 episodes. Did you miss one? <laughs> which one did I miss? <laughs> Turns out I didn't watch the pilot. Whoops. No, Oopsie. Uh, all 13 episodes. Um, Man, I a real cliffhanger. <laughs> I know. What's that? Wait, what? <laughs> Season two? Um, I watched The Lost Boys, which I haven't seen in a long time, um, and it's still an absolute delight from top to bottom we will review that movie at some point on the show it will happen <laughs> i have of that i have no doubt so i'll i'll just say that it's awesome and i can't wait to talk about it in, in greater detail yeah um does tim capello count as a wrestler oh he should be he's the greatest sax player cameo in any, in uh, any yeah yes. he's a sexuality wrestler God, as soon as he pops on makes screen, you wrestle with your sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I watched The King of Kong, which I have not seen in a long time. Ah, the um, documentary about Billy Mitchell and uh, Steve Weeby Steve going head to head to get the high score, highest score of King Kong, or yep. yeah, is King, it Kong? King Kong, yep. yeah, okay. the original, wow. the or not King Kong, the original uh, Donkey Kong. That was yeah. impressive. That was right off King the top Kong, of Donkey. Alex's head. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, uh, I directed saw by Seth Gordon. Oh yeah, that's director right. of Four Christmases and many other movies that are way more disappointed than The King of Kong. Yeah, I knew that. Um, I saw it years ago when it first came out because it was kind of a thing when it came out. It was like everybody it was, was talking about big. King of Kong. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's actually still a lot of fun to watch. The only problem I find now with it is you can see where there's some super spin being put on certain things. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. I mean. 
they craft a, a pretty cool story using the footage that they got of these people, but you can tell some of it's kind of... But they're doing some artful... There's some know. things, there's some, some people being poked and prodded into acting certain ways, I'm sure. If not, then they're all insane and <laughs> should probably be monitored closely. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, a fun, it's a fun documentary, actually. It's a really... It's more. It's honestly not even... Even but. reading into all of that, because I know that Seth Gordon has uh, tried to defend, quote-unquote, or has defended against questions of that ilk... But, like, reading into the different responses from all the parties are very interesting. Yeah. And And the fact that I think Billy Mitchell still does not sell any of his hot sauce or whatever to uh, his barbecue sauce, correct? Mm -hmm. He will not sell any of it to any orders that have a phone number in Hollywood because he thinks that Seth Gordon wronged him. Yeah, he's not he's not pleased about it. But I mean, there's certain, there are things he does in that documentary where you're like, this guy's a jerk. Like, yeah. I mean, and he might I don't know, whatever. He might be a very nice guy. It's a fun story though. Yeah. If you go to, into it just watching it for like a you know just just a, a good time, you'll you'll have fun. You'll laugh. You know. Who's the guy at the arcade that's like the hype man? And he's trying to the get referee. People, yeah. And he's um, trying to get people over there. He's like, we gotta. Oh. Oh, that guy! He was oh. a ran- he was one of the random dudes. Just a was like, random. He was like, we got a possible uh, kill yeah. screen coming up. Yep. Uh, he's yeah. Like, yeah, he's a cultist of, of Billy Mitchell's. Yeah. I, oh man, I he's hope the worst. there should be a guy like that at every arcade, just telling <laughs> telling you what the hot shit is that's happening in the arcade. He's like, dude, are you about to? There's about to be an eight player game on this bad boy. You better check this out. We haven't had eight sure. players on this game in years. We haven't <laughs> eight people in this arcade in, in years. So, Nick, what have you been watching? See, I don't want movie theaters to go the way of the video arcade. I agree. It's important I agree. social experience. <laughs> Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you uh, start putting quarters on PlayStation fours or something. <laughs> uh, what was I watching? Oh, I finished season one of The Flash. I don't think I've talked about that ah, yet. Yeah, I'm very glad. And I, I did that like a couple weeks ago. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's very, very. It might be one of the strongest first seasons of a TV show I've seen in a long time. Uh, have you guys both finished it? I think I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, yeah, I have. I watched you any, watch of it? any no, of it. No. Oh my god, dude! It's better than every other superhero show on TV, yeah. minus the Netflix Marvel stuff. Okay, it's so good. Yeah, uh, and I actually read a really good article by what's that guy's name? I really don't like him. <laughs> uh, he's that he's a critic, and he's got like tons of. He's always on a website. Devin, I think it was Devin Ferrasi. Devin Ferrasi. I don't like him, but I don't remember if he was the one who wrote it, but I think so. Either that or it was Drew McQueenie. Also sucks. But one of the two of them wrote an article how they watched the pilot of The Flash, and they said this blows. And I was like, first of all, I was like, how can you say that? It's such a good pilot. Um, but they, were, they just weren't into it. And then they, they kept hearing. It was one of those things where over the course of like the first chunk of the season, they kept hearing how good it was. And they said, all right. I'll give it a second look. Yeah. I get that. I rarely give things a second look if I've made up my mind on it. And then they were like, holy crap, total 180, changed their position, said, it's so good. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and it is. it fills a much-needed void in superhero media today, and especially in TV, where it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And it does everything right. The interactions with his teammates are, are great. There's a lot of heart in it. It's very funny. He has fun with his powers, but at the same time, he's always learning how to use them. It's got good villains. It's like, it, it is, I think, a home run. But anyway, I think all I've been watching is The Flash and then like old episodes of The Office, which only reinforced my belief that Parks and Recreation is a superior show. Yeah. But I have very interesting theories on that, but we can talk about that another day. Okay. I remember. I said, eh, we said it out loud. It's not going to happen now. I'm sure everybody's waiting in suspense to hear. Well, on the note of that, Michael Schur, one of the producers of 
creating well yeah producers of the office and parks and rec uh he's also a producer for master of none which i've still been watching on netflix it just gets better and better it's aziz ansari's show uh he directs a lot of it james ponsult of uh a few different movies also directs quite a bit on it too and uh eric wareheim of tim and eric does some directing as well as acting mm-hmm. in the show and it's all fantastic uh the dude who plays um oliver queen's stepdad pretty much in the first season colin salmon has isn't that his name colin salmon yes Co- colin salmon plays himself in master of none <laughs> to beautiful effect <laughs> It is genius. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. It's wonderful. And John Benjamin. Oh my God, that is his name. <laughs> John John Benjamin, uh, the voice of Archer and the can of soup in Wet Hot American Summer. Um, John Benjamin also is used very well as himself in that show. Like for once, John Benjamin is doing an acting role where he's not a voice. I just love this because they're not guys. Like they're not like names. Like that's no, they're not. Name. But they're great, and it's so it's a it's a great show. It's Colin Salmon. Cool. That is awesome. Colin, no, Colin, and it's he's got a really funny role, and I I assume more is coming from him too. Good. But it's great. Uh, I also saw The Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part Two. Um, needless to say, we're not going to be doing a full review of it, because uh, if you want to go back and listen to Tim and I's review of Mockingjay Part 1, even we didn't want to be seeing that movie necessarily, but this one, uh, Mockingjay Part 2 is probably the second movie, the second best movie in the series. That being said, it's still not a particularly good one, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot, you just kind of get thrust into the action after there was no action in the first part pretty much and it's mostly it's tired by the end of the two hours the two hours and ten minutes that you get there and (sighs) donald sutherland's awesome in it for the little bits that he's got um he's always been fun at least in those he's super dastardly which absolutely and and he's (laughs) he's good there's one laugh that he gets and it's kind of a laugh and kind of it's great. It's amazing. Good. Um, so you know, at least you'd have that going for it. And and I I think really it's just kind of I'm glad that the movie is apparently the worst Hunger Games opening of all, at 101 million dollars for the weekend or something like that. It still pushed Spectre off the top, but it has made the least amount of money in its opening weekend, uh, even compared to the first Hunger Games. And I hope it's kind of a bit of a lesson to people that is just like um we don't need to split movies into two but it's probably still going to make enough money overseas for it to have been worth it to split it into two but it would have been great if they made the first movie a montage and cut off the first act of this movie and put it there you mean part three part, part one Okay. If, if Mockingjay Part 1 was a montage at the beginning of Mockingjay Part 2 and they just called it Mockingjay, it would have been great. Because <clears throat> that's all it really needed. Yeah, I'm sure there had to be a way to condense that down into one movie. It, I mean, I it, haven't totally, seen it totally one, could but... have been done. The only, the absolutely the only reason that they would split it up is because they want to make more money off of it. Oh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. no question in my mind that they couldn't have made a satisfying single movie. Out of well, it. the thing is, there, it, it's... 
kind of slick because they we all know what they're doing and most people know what they're doing, but they can do it under the guise of we want to stay true to the book, and to stay true to the book, we have to we yeah. have to include everything in the book, which well, is also books total are bullshit. books and movies are movies. Yeah, and you learn to adapt. It's called an adaptation. Do it well, but I don't know. It, you know, it's amazing because they're, pay, they're paying, yeah, they're paying writers to expand and like stretch things out rather than make them better. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. I, and uh, yeah, we get some hey, padding. Uh, we want you to bloat the shit out of this thing. <laughs> Don't adapt it. Yeah, just make it bigger. Ma- make it bigger. Make it good if you can, but really just make it bigger. Make it bigger. It's funny in the same way that I, at least this is my opinion, but in the same way I feel like the Lord of the Rings trilogy kind of set the trend moving forward for these movies that have to be like two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. That kind of started that trend of like, if it's big, it's got to be two and a half hours, three hours, whatever. Um, I think the Hobbit started the trend of like, stretch it out. Just like Nick was saying, stretch I wanted, it out. I wanted to talk about that. That's why I glanced at the clock. We haven't talked about that yet. Have we on yeah, the show? Yeah, we really, we, we could. This is, this is a good place to go into it a little bit. Uh, there was a special feature that came out from, <laughs> The Hobbit and one of the Hobbit Blue came out of somewhere, and Slash Film ran a story on it. Basically, because there's a quote where Peter Jackson says, "I didn't know what I was doing on the side of the Hobbit," pretty much, uh, and it comes down to he basically started production, tried to start production from where Guillermo del Toro left it, and that didn't really work out that well. And then he needed to go and try and make a movie that he wanted to make, even though he was kind of making it off of the blueprints of Guillermo. Um, it's heartbreaking to watch. It's 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 sad to me. Nick Nick had a good point in text. He was like, "Yeah, but it's kind of good that they're all calling it for what it is and actually saying this was." It's a ballsy, yeah. But um, well, the pro- <clears throat> excuse me. The problem is that Guillermo. He said, as he details in the video, uh, Peter Jackson does, Guillermo prepped the movie for like a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. And then... And he, and Peter Jackson, spent two to three years prepping Lord of the Rings. Correct. And Peter didn't spend any time prepping The Hobbit. He, you know, it's weird because when a director doesn't... A director, especially like him, like you can do a Peyton Reed move and, and take what somebody did and kind of plug it into somebody else and hope that they can stick the landing or, or at least get as close as possible. But a guy like Peter, who's already so invested in the world and has and he did it in the past in a certain way for so many years, he was not going to take what Guillermo did and just make that. So they had to start from scratch with a lot of the materials. So all the production designers and the and the concept artists and everybody, there's a few of them in the video that say we literally threw out everything we spent two years doing and tried to start again with a new director with a different vision with no time to do it in. Yeah, they were like props were getting delivered the day of. And, of- and this is part of the reason the movie is so CGI heavy is because there was not time to manufacture there was not time. Like they, they talked about it. it was in another article I read. I think you see like one of the props ma- or one of the wardrobe masters posing in front of like two huge racks of like 80 suits of armor. And they said, this doesn't exist for the Hobbit because there yeah. wasn't time to to hand make all this and to get it there. So we got an inferior product as admitted by everyone involved in the film, yeah. which is amazing that even Peter Jackson is so, the director is and, and executive producer is so frank. He's like, yeah, we 
we it got to the point where he he said that we were giving the crew an extra hour on lunch just so I could sit and try to think about what we were going to do that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and that's the thing is, I mean, you hear occasionally years later you'll hear people talk about, oh, that was rough, that was a bad shoot. You know, five years later, ten years later, but you don't hear about it when the DVD is coming out or like when the the new Blu-ray is coming out. Like that's yeah. not something that you. And especially when you have three films over the course of three years worth, and you think about how this. <laughs> How they did this for months? Like, how much money was wasted just sitting around trying to figure out what that? Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and it's ugly. And that's it, that's a classic example of the studio is is making a release date, not a movie. <laughs> it, it, that's, well, and it's really tricky. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because as as a lot of people raised the point, a lot of people raised was. Even if Peter says, okay, I'll take it over, can we push back the movie's release two years so I can continue to prep it further? You've already locked in everybody for a certain amount of time. So you either pay through the nose to release a lot of these people and risk not booking them again in the future, or you just try to move ahead anyway and hope for the best, which is obviously what they settled on at the cost of most of these people's health and sanity, I can only assume. Yeah, this was off of a special feature on the newly released extended edition of The Battle of Five Armies. The R-rated cut, which I don't know if you guys have seen clips from. It's hysterical. It's like dead alive. Like There's like guts flying out and blood shooting out of monsters. There's actually an R-rated version. Yes, it is technically the R-rated cut of Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> there's like decapitations and like... It's, you it's know like, what? I, it's pretty good. I was is New Line like not doing well? Like who... What, well, yeah, New Line isn't doing well, but... Do they are they just like this is all we got? And what do you mean? Like, is that why we have three Hobbit movies and like they went back to the? Well, Hobbit part of it had to do with MGM. I remember them saying that was there was a big dispute between Guillermo and them because they wanted they were saying that he he was kind of pissed off at the whole thing because he moved his family and everything to like New Zealand or whatever for like yeah. two years and then it, all, it was all for naught. But no, it's you know I wasn't wild on these movies to begin with, and this just makes me makes them even more distasteful. At least it makes sense even. now, though. Like, I get it now. You know, not that that helps. I'm not going to watch them ever again. Yeah, Still haven't seen the third one, but... And it's hard. Uh, don't ever. No. Just don't. I There's don't, no point. I, there was nothing I saw in the first two movies to even make me consider watching the third one. There's nothing. Um, and, and there's really no clear person to blame, so it's kind of a bummer. Like, you feel a little bad for Peter, and then you're like, well, maybe you shouldn't have taken it on, but at the same time, he... Who better to try to see it through than the guy who's already done it once, sort of? Because if they had put it in the hands of like a, I don't know, uh, Peyton Reed. No, uh, not that he's not talented. I'm trying to think of his name just so I can make fun of him. But Matt I, Ratner. No, no, I can't remember the guy oh, who directed oh, hold Fantastic Four. Len Wiseman. <laughs> no, Josh Trank. Yeah, <laughs> rather than put it in the hands of some unknown and watch them ruin their career over it. Why did Guillermo walk away? I I don't think he. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. He likes to talk mostly about making movies. He doesn't like to make them. <laughs> from, what, from what I've heard, there was there was some. <laughs> he's he not a fan of making. movies. He likes he pre-production to, a lot, yeah. but when it gets to the actual, you know, filming part, he goes, eh, "Not for me." Like Robert Zemeckis, he hates making movies. Just likes doing post work on them. Uh, <laughs> from what I understand, and I could be wrong, but I, I remember reading that. It was some dispute between Guillermo and the higher ups. Like I think it might have been a release date type thing. Like they were like, "Hey, here are your dates for your movies," and he was like, "Please mm. go." He was like, "No." 
Please go. Which is, you know, as as amazing as Peter's vision was for Lord of the Rings and all that, seeing a Guillermo del Toro movie would have been really cool. Right? Incredible. Can you imagine really some cool. of the stuff that, is, that comes from the source material that he could have? They would have all been rated R cuts because they would have been terrifying. <laughs> and I mean, Yes, like, please. <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said about if Peter Jackson got to make three Hobbit movies that he wanted to make. I don't think he would have made three Hobbit movies, first well, of all. It, okay. it wouldn't have been three. It, it, I'm just saying Some that's adaptation of yeah. The Hobbit in whatever form it would have. Oh. If, if he would have started it from the beginning that way, it would have been designed that way. He would have had the time <laughs> to do it all the way through and make the coherent universe between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. But it's also not super necessary for those two to be... That's one of my problems with those movies is it tries way too hard to link the things together. Yeah. It doesn't need to. Uh, it does go out of its way. And, and as we've said multiple times in probably all three of the reviews, The Hobbit doesn't need to be tonally the same as the Lord of the Rings movies in the first place. And no. It can kind of come from a more, I don't want to say childlike, but that's kind of what I want to say. Well, I hate to use it as an example because... There's one that's good. Well, I guess it's kind of similar, but uh, the Star Wars trilogies, you know, the prequel trilogy, love it or hate it, you know, uh, <laughs> at least it makes sense for it to tonally be kind of different than the, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like the, the the tone shift makes sense. It's a different time in that. You know what I mean? The The different Hobbit time, didn't even try. Circumstances. Yeah. The Hobbit yeah. didn't even try. I mean, that was a completely different time in the in the you know ages of middle earth so it would make sense for it to have a different vibe and a different feel you know what i mean yeah but they didn't try to do that at all yeah did you guys watch the whole video i did the peter jackson yes. thing oh my god there's one i just thought of it a minute ago and it, it was so funny when they're talking about the second unit is literally just filming people fighting with no yeah. with no <laughs> idea what they're shooting why no storyboards nothing they're just like andy uh take your team and shoot for a month of yeah. just people fighting and then they then they call them and they're like, "Hey, uh, we're actually halting production indefinitely because we don't know what we're shooting." <laughs> yeah. And there's just a awesome piece of editing in that where you see one of the orc extras with his mouth hanging open, like, <laughs> like, like, what am I supposed to do now? And he's got his sword and shield in his hand. Oh, it was so funny. Well, then even Andy turns to the the B roll camera. Yeah. And is like, "We've just wrapped the Battle of Five <laughs> Armies." And then he's like, "Just kidding. We couldn't shoot that in two days." Yeah. Like, however he says it, it's really funny and sad at the same time. Yes, like, watch just, this video because yeah. it's amazing. It is, and there is the most fill in insert your word here of just this amazing zoom of peter jackson just sitting yeah. on the set looking like sad keanu on the Broken, bench with his burrito yeah. it's so bad and so good and amazing uh the they article... should make it they should make it all into a documentary and call it new zealand movie <laughs> the article is called peter jackson it. explains why the hobbit movies are such a mess it's on slash film go check it out yeah, it's worth worth a look for sure. Mention real quick uh, other news that came out today. Uh, Fox pulled Fantastic Four two from its lineup. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> We're headed to, in the right direction. Only to reinsert it in a couple months, probably. No, I don't know. Nope. Who knows? I burn it to the ground. The thing is, even if even if it went back to Marvel, I ain't touching that for a while. No, you can't. No, you don't think so. There's too I, much, I think no. too much nuclear fallout. I think you use. I think you use. <laughs> elements from that corner i don't think you use the fantastic i think marvel would 
I'll, bet, think, I'll bet you if I the think, rights went back to them, they would they would say 2020 Fantastic Four. Feige's probably got it written somewhere. Like the but he's got a script that's like if this comes back and to they us, and they would have Spider Man in it <laughs> and they would have Captain America show up in it just for a little bit just to give give people enticed. They, they would be right. They would actually cast it well. It would it would it would be good. They move pretty and quick on Spider Man. I don't think so. Marvel's shy at all. I think they would say they would hey, do it. Give it back, just <laughs> yeah. just so they could rub Fox's face in it. Yeah. You know, look what we did. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do another Spider Man situation. If they'll be like, "Hey, keep the shit. Let us use it too, please. Let us let's make a movie together. Someone that would be interesting. Let the Fantastic Four be good. Let them out. Let them breathe. Let them out. Let them out. Save them. Be free. Okay, I think we've. Talked long yes. enough about Actually, they would make a good show. Games. They'd make a good TV show as well. But anyway. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Be a nice ABC show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Written, Actually, by, written by Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much sex and gossip. <laughs> Give it to me. They got to get the Namor rights back, though. Yeah. Well, that's a hot they mess. Heal Max Namor. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Namor is dead in the comics. Spoiler alert. I don't know if you guys heard. Yeah. You Not guys for head long. Off. Not for long. He'll be back. What's the point in reading him then? Mm-hmm. On to our review of Netflix's Marvel's Jessica Jones. That's not what it's actually called. It's just... Netflix's Marvel's. Yeah. A.K.A. Jessica Jones. <laughs> uh, stars Kristen Ritter as the title character. Rachel Taylor, Ika Darville, David Tennant, Carrie Ann Moss. And uh, Mike Coulter, mm-hmm. and many other people as well. The IMDb synopsis says, a formal super... Formal. She's very formal. She's super formal. A former superhero. You said it again. <laughs> no, that's how you said formal superhero. <laughs> a former superhero decides to reboot her life by becoming a private investigator. I don't think that's really portrayed in the show. It's I mean, it of, is. It's discussed a little bit. But she kind of seems like she's been doing her thing for a little while. Well, let's, let's be clear here. We are talking about episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Have you about. seen any beyond that? Have you guys on No, one, sir. Three? Okay. Yeah, Willie's really seen it all. Nick and I have seen episodes one through three. Um, I forgot you had Lizzie in there. Quato stirs yeah, inside and, and, and Nick started laughing a while back because I just zipped Lizzie completely. <laughs> He's got a dachshund in his I'll take a picture. Right yeah, we'll have to put it on the, on the Facebook or Instagram or something. Um. So but, I'll um, need your guys' help because I watched it very quickly. <laughs> well, we will um, we will clearly delineate spoilers in the spoiler Terry, uh, just so that I just we don't can want to spoil anything for you guys. Generally, talk yeah, about it. Please don't. Um, please don't. But yeah, general thoughts, Nick. What did you What did you think of Jessica Jones? Oh man, I love it. We should say this is the first show following Daredevil, which was a massive success. And uh, and this is following April. suit. This is following suit. People love it. Uh, just as Nick said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the pilot actually is stronger than the Daredevil pilot. It it grabbed me. I mean, I have way more knowledge and understanding of and respect for Daredevil than I do for Jessica Jones, the characters. And yet, there were still things in in the Daredevil pilot that I was kind of like, well, you know. And but it was very good. Obviously, I I loved it. But Jessica Jones is very like. It just has this confidence right out of the gate. It really it knows exactly what it is, what it wants to do, like tonally, uh, the way it's directed, the way it looks, the way it's acted. It is just strong. And Christian Ritter is very good. She takes a character who could easily be 
super obnoxious and you could be very dismissive of and she makes her compelling she's got this intelligence to her that's really cool that she she plays it really well i don't know if this is just the way Kristen ritter is or if she's that good of an actress where she can manage to do so many things at the same time i think she's i think it's her because like i never i didn't watch much of it but uh don't trust the bee in apartment 23 those are totally different characters that she's doing really different things with, especially compared to Breaking Bad, where I know her even more. I think she's just got a range about her. She, do, I mean, in this that. in this show, she's effortless and very good and very complex, and she can she does a lot of things emotionally in one episode alone. And uh, I was very impressed with her. The whole cast is great. Uh, I love the music. The music is so. Mm-hmm awesome consistently awesome in a way that i don't think daredevil's music ever really stood out besides the theme the daredevil theme is really cool the theme wins in the theme battle but the rest of the music and just i think I, th- I actually think i like the jessica jones yeah, theme okay. better. i like the jessica jones theme I, I don't like the guitar like i don't like up. the steve Vai guitar <laughs> yeah, it's guess, ridiculous yeah. it yeah, makes me throw up a little bit but up until that point it is so cool yeah, it is sweet. it's a full it's very full-blown film noir which i really dig mm-hmm. uh Mike Coulter is so awesome. Mm-hmm. He is so perfect. Mm-hmm. And when I saw pictures of him, I was like, okay, yeah, he looks the part, but I have no idea who you are. We'll see. And then he shows up on screen, and he's amazing. I yep. cannot wait to talk about Mike Coulter. And I, was, <laughs> and I was reading so many things online, too, where people were like, God, Luke, stop stealing the show, man. He's really good. Uh, David Tennant is really good. You don't see mm-hmm. much of him for what we've seen thus far, but he is very effective. You hear him a lot. You do hear him a lot, and you see him, but you don't see him. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. But all of the shifts in color that they do practically oh. in in the shot are so cool. And it this this show is like I said, it's just very confident, and I don't feel any of the rockiness yet that I did from time to time in Daredevil. Like in Daredevil, we had some weak acting, and I was like, okay, go back and do it again, director. Bitch slap this actor and say, yo, act and. You know, if there's something that's not quite right, you know, iron it out, figure it, figure it out, fix it. And it feels like they've done that on the show. Everything feels perfectly executed. It's really, really, really remarkable. Um, yeah, it's just without, without really spoiling anything, I can't say it's very good. And I'm very, uh, I'm very interested to see where it's going to go. It's a good mystery. There's a the li- yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of mystery here and I really dig a good mystery. So, totally. and the, you know, in the, in the writing too, there's so many, uh, Ah, it's more spoiler stuff, but it's just, it's, it's not, there's not just story. There's a lot of cool subtext. There's a lot of cool allegory. There's a lot of interesting conventions being turned on their head. And I think there's a lot of really interesting commentary in here and just things that women will be able to relate to in 2015. It's, it's impressive. All right. Willie, your thoughts on Jessica Jones. It's very good. This is the one of the four shows that, were announced initially that I was the least excited for, and it has nothing to do with with um, any knowledge I have about the character. But yeah. It's because I don't have any knowledge of the character. I've never read Alias. I know who Jessica Jones is. I've only read her as a supporting character in kind of the big event stuff. Yeah. I've never really um, delved too deep into her. She seemed like she was kind of a cool character, and I know Bendis uh, did some pretty good great work on that book but Bendis Kama Brian Michael yes but I wasn't super excited for this one out of, out of all of them I was kind of hoping that this was going to be the show where they peppered in a bunch of 
other junk that got me excited for other stuff, <laughs> which thank God it doesn't. Yeah. Actually, I think this show, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm talking about the season as a whole. I won't do it in spoilers, but I'm, I mean, I've watched the whole thing, so it's hard for me not to talk about the whole thing and yeah. overall. Um, they don't, they do the opposite of that. They do very little. That's something that, that. I'm, that I, I, and I don't want you to comment on it, so feel free not to. Sure. But, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm wondering how much Luke is actually around in in the rest of the series, and and because it feels like to me uh, so far that that he's a fairly prevalent character, and it'll be interesting to see him take his own show later on. But uh, but even at that, it feels very natural, and it doesn't feel like they've welded these two things together. And it's not because obviously they're. Together in the comics, at least at some point, mm-hmm. they're they're characters that are kind of discussed in step with each other. But um, I I agree. I'm glad that it's not like you know, here's other stuff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and these are all the guys in the New York area. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. It's not and, that. And and that's it awesome. could have been. And I and honestly, if there was going to be a show that had been that, this would have been the one. Yeah. Because I'm not the only person. We've had two out of three people so far who do read comics uh, and who have quite a bit of knowledge from comics, at least during that time period that Alias was big, that don't have experience with this character. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you right there, even people that read comics don't necessarily know much about this Jessica would be Jones. where they feel like they could take the most liberty to uh, kind of yeah exactly make uh, it a tool of marketing or something exactly and they didn't and that's awesome yeah. and i applaud them for that there's the occasional goofy mention like oh the, the big green guy yeah. like okay Aliens. all right gotta uh, do it yeah the incident but yeah. it doesn't bug me anymore now i'm just it's just part of the thing and the i witch I, prison <laughs> the witch prison <laughs> Ever since the witch prison was um, reopened. Yeah, it doesn't bother me anymore. It just kind of goes, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's there for, for whoever needs to be reminded. It, it does help to provide show. context, I think, though. Yeah, and it's cool because people would be talking about this yeah. stuff. So, and it's uh, Yeah, I, I didn't know when the show took place, so I was glad sure. we got mention of that. Yeah, and, and so far, most of the Marvel stuff has been pretty, like, in terms of continuity, it's moved on a pretty straight line. There's been a couple of little sidesteps or prequels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly certain... I, I think the Luke Cage show is going to be a prequel, I think, about mm. him getting his powers, I assume. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. You heard but, it here first. But <clears throat> I have that vibe. Like, I feel like there's not... It'd be weird for me to have a... Maybe, I don't know, maybe Jessica Jones will be a character on the Luke Cage show. I don't know. I feel like because they're all supposedly driving towards Defenders that it wouldn't make sense to do that, but Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I don't know what the plan is. But anyway, so I, I really enjoyed the show. Um... Past the point where you guys are at, there are there's a section about two thirds of the show in where I went. This these they have no idea what they're doing right now. <laughs> they have no fucking clue what they're doing with the show. It corrects itself very quickly. Thank mm. goodness, because I was really concerned for about an episode and a half. There, I was going, "This is going to be bad. This is going to end really badly." Is she like buy a jetliner or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Taylor Kitsch shows up with his private jet, and he's like, "Let's go to Three Mile Island, and we're going to find a, the gumbo." Who the gumbo? <laughs> no, uh, what were you asking, Nick? Is it uh <laughs> what, what was your legitimate question? You know, if I can get the, the train back on the rails here. <laughs> uh, oh man. Is it What was I gonna ask? Oh, uh are they episodes that are just kind of fluff? Like they Is they, it padding? They don't drive it forward. It's to me personally, and this is a very overview of, of things, there are subplots in this show that become far more 
present on screen than they ever have any right to be mm. present on screen. Gotcha. They serve really. So maybe like the season should have been like eleven episodes. Yes, is what you're saying? Okay. this season. Should so have it's been just like, a little bit too. It should have been like ten episodes. They, you can tell at the point they're just they are stalling to get to the end game of the show. Gotcha. And it's almost like I almost liken it to Lost as a series. Mm. Where there's a, about a season's worth of loss there, where they're like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> like, and and then you get episodes about Jack's tattoos, and like, who wants to know that? Who gives a shit? That's kind of what they do for about, I'd say, two episodes tops here, and it's somewhere around the episode nine ten mark. And you guys, I think, will will not disagree with me okay. when you get there. But once it gets back on track and we we get moving towards kind of the finale of things. I, I got right back into it, and I never because I enjoyed the characters so much. I think it, that it didn't. I think another episode of that stuff, and I would have gone, "Oh no, this is a problem." But I think I, mm. it worked out. Um, Mike Coulter's incredible. Mm-hmm. God, Jesus, whoa, <laughs> that dude has the charisma of like Luke a Cage. thousand men, like like a thousand chiseled men into one man. It's he's wonderful. I might have a bit of a man crush on Mike Coulter. <laughs> not gonna lie, that's okay because my wife also has a a regular crush on Mike Coulter. So, mm-hmm. um, and Kristen Ritter, I will. I'm not gonna lie. It took me a minute because I've never watched her in anything. I've literally never watched a frame of Kristen. No, that's not true. She may be a supporting role in a comedy here or there, but yeah. never watched her star in anything. And it took me a minute because. I don't know a lot about her, and I don't know a lot about the character, and I didn't like the character for the first episode, but that's good. Like, I, you almost don't... I, I almost felt like I, it's a good thing that I didn't like her at first, because she's kind of an asshole. You know what she I mean? She doesn't give you a lot of room to You're really You're kind of like, oh, she's kind of a it. dick. Like, but then she does... She she grows on you, yep. and, and I think that that's really cool, and, and she's great. She's really, really good. And the supporting cast is good, too. I think some of them... Um, some of them, not all the performances are great. I think some of the characters kind of disappear and reappear throughout the course of the season. I go, why is this person still on the show? Or why is this person not back on the show? You know, that kind of thing. But I enjoyed it overall. Hard to say if I had to compare it to Daredevil in terms of which one I liked better. Mm. At this moment, I'm going to go Daredevil overall. But that, but I've seen that twice now. and so that could You've had a little bit more time to breathe with it, too. Yes. I it's, didn't finish it last night. So. I, I, like, <laughs> I like that you... Uh, that it's they're kind of close though. Like it's not. Oh no, that absolutely. It's not expected. a landslide. It's not like a like a. This is not like an Iron Man Iron Man two thing. <laughs> it's not where there's a clear clear winner here. No, mm-hmm. they're they're both very good, and they're both they're both flawed, and there's issues with both in different ways at different parts parts of the season. Yeah. But for me, I think Daredevil edges out just a tiny bit, and it, I'll totally admit it's probably because of my. Um, fandom of that character more so than yeah. the ones but i'm i want to read alias now which yeah. is pretty cool that's good it, that's kind of neat so yeah um yeah i really enjoy the show too after the th- in the first episode i was like this is good but i don't know if i'm quite hooked by the time the second episode was over i was like this is pretty awesome i'm down and then finally episode three i'm like all right i'm in for the season um I had a list of things that I kind of jotted down real quick. Uh, I just wanted to say that I enjoyed the show's use of purple, which is much mm-hmm. more eloquently stated by Nick in terms of the actual like color shifting and things that occur on screen. It's so cool. It's really, really beautifully done. The show has a very distinct stylistic flair that it displays in the first episode and the fact that they kind of key into that is is pretty awesome. Although I kind of felt it was a little bit weird. They kind of... It might be a director thing or something. I don't know what the list looked like in terms of who directed what episodes. But season two has a lot of like 
establishing tilt shift uh, shots, and then it kind of wasn't in season one, and it wasn't or in episode one, and it wasn't in episode three, from what I recognize. But it must maybe, be a director thing. I might be yeah. wrong, or it might be a director thing, or something like that, or maybe it'll pop up later. So that I felt that that was kind of weird. Uh, I like seeing Carrie Ann Moss in something other than The Matrix after mm-hmm. The Matrix is done, even though she is being she's being used as like a poor man's Robin Wright from House of Cards. Uh, <laughs> I think it suits her very well. I think she does a very good job with it. And Hogarth is very interesting. I want to know more about Hogarth. Well, you will. Although I'm gonna come out of spoilers here. It's not even really a spoiler. I don't think it is. Who cares? Uh, that was one of the most awkward, weirdest, oh, hey, she's a lesbian scenes that I've ever seen. What, what's, what, how do they establish that? What's In the... episode one, she like calls Jessica to talk about something, and then uh, her lover yeah. walks into the shot and is just kind of like... Licking like, her neck. Licking, nuzzling like up against her neck for like 30, 45 seconds straight. It's like... It goes on for a while. This lingered too long. I got the point. Two seconds into it, you could have just had her like end the call and hear, hey, honey, come back to bed. It could have been done. I wasn't complaining better. about it. It was a very nitpicky thing. I just felt like it was very strange. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, Mike Coulter's amazing. I know nothing about Luke Cage, but now I want to know more about Luke Cage. You should want to know and more about Luke it's, Cage. It's, he's really awesome. And yeah. I'm excited to see him in his own show. I'm excited <laughs> to hopefully see him interact with Iron Fist because I feel like that's going to be awesome, too. Oh, my too. God. It'll be... <laughs> I wait with bated breath. <laughs> It'll be who is cast in that role. It'll be yeah. unreal. Yeah, I, Willie's I, Willie's bromance like capacity will be at at critical mass <laughs> when the two of them are hanging out. That that'll uh, be eating good. Chinese food. And then and then when Daredevil shows up with the two of them and the three of them get to bro out, oh my god, it'll be insane. That'll be amazing. Um, I'm getting the same. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to. Uh-huh. I'm getting the same feelings. I said this to Nikki after we finished the finale. I'm I'm feeling the same feelings I was <clears> feeling <throat> about the point where. Um, Iron Man 2 had come out and I knew that Thor and Cap were next and I'm oh, getting yeah. those same feelings again Yeah, and I don't think I'll ever get those for the movies again because I mean there's nothing to build to at that point but I'm I, I'm getting them again for the show and it's a little different but it feels very it's I'm very <laughs> I, yeah. I want to I said bromance and I feel a little bad because or I said they're good, the three of them are going to bro out. And I don't want to leave Jessica out because I know she'll, she'll... She's going to bro out too. She, I know. She'll be part of the boys club yeah. for sure. And yeah. she, the four of them will be awesome. But there are so many... The, in, the, in the books, the connection between Daredevil and Luke Cage and Iron Fist is so strong. Yeah, especially, yeah. especially Fist and, and, and Luke. Those oh, two, yeah, yeah. But, but Daredevil as well. And I, I mean, we can't forget the fact that I don't know if, if he's going to play into Defenders, but we're getting Punisher, sure. yeah. and we're also getting Elektra, so we could have a pretty round, well-rounded it's cool. cast of... It's pretty damn, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Moon Knight. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, my, my culture's awesome. Uh, Jessica herself is a really awesome character, and there's a lot to her and her motivations and why she acts the way she acts, and to see... Uh, show led by a female character that is that has this much depth and is interestingly written i i really enjoy that and i'm glad that like marvel's netflix shows are one of the places that this is kind of on display but um and then also one other quick thing i love her shady explanations for her powers that she just like one-liners out to people and she's like oh uh, pilates or like Mm. 
yeah. different things like they're all I find them all very entertaining. She doesn't try terribly hard to no, hide these things. She no. doesn't, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. You're like, okay, good enough excuse, I guess. I eat lots of oats. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's it's a great show. I'm excited to watch more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh before we jump into spoiler Terry, I'll hope I'll say that hopefully we can sit down and do an actual spoiler cast about the whole season as we did with Daredevil. I'm sure we will. We should. Yeah, I think point. we did the same thing for Daredevil, right? Yeah. Well, well we did more. Well, but we kind of did two weeks of Daredevil. <laughs> right, but I think this would be cool, you know, once we I don't think we need to put a time frame on it. Yeah, once but, you guys finish. Yep. Then we can, and maybe Gojo or somebody else will sure. finish it too. Yeah. And, and we if can not, Nikki, I'm sure would like to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, because she really liked it. So awesome. All right, uh, we will jump into spoiler Terry for Jessica Jones. The first three episodes of Jessica Jones. So if you watched, uh, if you haven't watched all three of them, uh, maybe don't tune in for that section. But uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> Here we are in Spoiler Terry for Jessica Jones, uh, episodes one through three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where do we want to start? Let's get out of the way. Um, get with that. Yeah, a few things. Um, can we talk a little bit about, did you guys catch who Trish is? Everybody know who that is? And I mean, in terms of, I don't think I do. I can't. Well, she uh, she attacks like one of her fans who has a comic book. Yeah, it's Patricia or something. Patsy Walker. Walker, Patsy Walker. So So who is that? In the in the comic in the comic book world, Trish Walker. She she started off in this this Atlas comic, which is the original name of the Marvel, the company that become Marvel. And it was called you know Patsy Walker, and it was like a teenage girl's book. So it kind of ties into that where she was like a teenage like. I don't know if she was a TV star or something. You know, yeah. you, you learn a little bit more about that as the show goes on. But um, she eventually, in the comics, becomes Hellcat. You, know, you guys familiar with Hellcat? Oh, she is Hellcat. Yeah, which okay. is kind of cool. Right I on. thought that was neat. Um, I think the fan mentions, like, I liked you when you had your red hair or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which she has in the yeah, comics. So right. that was kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I wanted to mention that real quick because yeah, it's neat. Yeah, that's cool. Um, is she typically, do you know, is she in Alias? She is not. Um, okay. In the comics, and I only know this from just knowing it, outside the comics but she is actually friends with uh carol danvers miss marvel okay but because miss marvel is getting her own movie soon really um they wanted, they to, wanted to switch somewhere. it over and i think that's fine it's a yeah. fine transition to make and and i don't think we're gonna get a hellcat movie so i think that's a safe <laughs> a safe place for for that character yeah um yeah so anyway um let's talk about the the first real time we get to see uh, Jessica and Luke both cut loose with the powers. Yeah. In episode two, there was a, a fight in the bar um, because, you know, Jessica is investigating this this guy who's cheating or his wife is cheating on him and it's with Luke. And it is awesome. It's all sorts of awesome because we haven't got a lot of action by this point. There's yeah. been some, some investigation. There have been tense scenes. There's been a lot of drama, but we haven't had a ton of action. And I think we all wanted that release at that point. Like, let's see him kick some ass. And it was very cool. Very, uh, very cool. N- Nick hadn't seen any of this as of yesterday and when we're recording. And, and uh, he, I was kind of talking to him about it because I had only watched the pilot. And uh, he, he had asked her some, at some point it came up, like, who knows what. And I was like, yeah, I don't think either Jessica or Luke knows about each other at this point. There's a line in the first episode when they're banging where uh, something about, he says like he's gonna break her or in yeah, half and then, basically, and then, and then she's so like, yeah, I'm good. You, and she's like, or no, no, 
he says something about uh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Something about somebody's going to get broken and they can't because they're super powered. But um, Nick was basically just like, yeah. So they'll probably like encounter. They'll end up like trying to protect each other in some kind of fight where they both figure out that they're super powered, and that's absolutely yeah, what oh, ended yeah. up happening. Exactly what happened. It's just it, it was awesomely done. Great it scene. Was, yeah, the it's it's a very cool scene because um I mean you kind of know I mean you know about her powers at that point already. You know mm-hmm. that she's strong, you know that she can haul ass through the air base. And not fly, but jump very high. Yeah. Um she can kind of hulk jump, which hulk, is kind of yeah. fun. Cuz in the comics she can fly, which I'm glad they didn't do that. It's a bit much. So thank you for dialing that Turning back a little, bit. a little bit. Um but it's cool to see her what kicks some ass and she's got kind of her own I love it because when you watch Daredevil and you and you know you're going into this show by now Hopefully, knowing that these are is going to be this is going to be a team. It's yeah. going to be a Marvel TV version of the Avengers, essentially. So, watching her fighting style versus like something like Daredevil, who's Daredevil is very much martial arts. He's he's got a bit of that boxing edge to him. I think we talked about his fighting style on that on that episode. One of the two. And um, Jessica's is just like use whatever you can, just kick them through a wall, smash their head on a bar stool. Like she's really rough and tumble, and I think that's awesome. And then Cage is awesome too because he's kind of got his own style, where like he he just doesn't stop moving forward. <laughs> he just keeps <laughs> moving towards people because they can't do anything to him. Well, and it's also I was saying to Nick, he's also not particularly skilled. No, he's just because he doesn't need to. Be, he reacts is what, is what Nick said. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he's just kind of like you're trying to do shit to me, but I'm just gonna break you before you can ever break me which is fun but. yeah and it's cool because it's one of those things where in the comics you can you can say to somebody as a reader okay he has unbreakable skin yeah and you can you can draw a picture of that but like i, I can't comprehend what that looks like in live action like what does it look like when somebody goes to stab him does the knife bend does it spark what what happens and it's cool to finally be able to see a a real life version of that yeah and i think they did a very good job with displaying that you know, like the beer bottle just crumbles when he like, the guy goes <laughs> yep. to. It's awesome, you know. So, yeah, that was a very cool scene in episode two. Big Absolutely. fan of that. Absolutely. Sweet Christmas. Oh, was awesome. He said, "Sweet Christmas." Yes, it will not be the last time he says "Sweet Christmas." Good. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, and then he said it. I just immediately texted Gojo, and I just said, "Sweet Christmas!" The exclamation <laughs> point, and he goes, "Oh yeah!" And where he says it is so funny. Oh, it is it's, hilarious. It's, you know, yeah. postcoitus, which is wonderful. Um, we didn't talk about how the show is filled with sex. It is. It's pretty raunchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes it feels like it's trying a little too hard. I, I don't know if you guys felt oh, that way at all. Dude, I, in the pilot, when Jessica's sitting up on the, on the fire escape and that woman just walks up to Luke just in her lingerie, I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, this is so steamy and just hilarious. You just wanted a guy to like walk down the street with a saxophone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The fur the pilot is so hilariously like nineteen like is yeah. it Tim Capello does he have a saxophone <laughs> Oh absolutely no she would leave she would leave Luke it's the only thing yeah, that could draw true. draw that Luke would leave her actually yeah and they both would just go what <laughs> is that sound around. let's go check it out together what is uh, that glowing thing in the distance <laughs> with the moonlight radiating yeah. off of him yeah it's, it's uh, <laughs> it, the the pilot is so moody and just great yeah I it, love, it's very noirish You're yeah I love right. that influence it's really good uh, <clears throat> I really. You know, some of the earlier episodes of Daredevil had this had a similar color palette where there were lots of like purples and reds and blues, and they kind of shied away from it as the season went on. And I wish they had stuck with it because it's a really 
Like the Daredevil motion poster and the Jessica Jones one are very similar. And I, I love think that. they're on the same yeah. street and yep. they have the same kind of colors. And I wish that Daredevil had hung on to that. And I'm hoping season two has a little bit more of the similar colors because I like that kind of somewhat shared aesthetic. Obviously, Jessica Jones has a lot more purple, yeah. which makes sense because it's the purple man. Yeah. But and Daredevil would have more red. Has hopefully. a little more red, yeah. yeah. So No, I like that idea. And I, I think that that's one of the things – I think that might be one of the things that bummed me out a little bit about the intro to this show is I was hoping it was going to be similar to Daredevil's a bit. Where yeah. they would have that, that one similarity between the shows where it's not the same song, obviously, but – a similar like series of visuals that are silhouette like purple being dripped on the light. Yeah, uh, that that, that like, would have been kind of cool. Consistency would be I would have liked that, but they are they aren't dissimilar. They have similar feels. Oh, to I them. love the the um, credits too. And I want the DVDs when they are they ever going to make Blu-rays of these? I don't think so. Yeah, because they might. They made Blu-rays of House of Cards. Because God, it's taking forever. I think they made Blu-rays of Daredevil. Or no, it's to. they still haven't. <laughs> they were on Amazon at one point. Um, I remember looking it up. I'm hoping that they have cool. Colors you know, like a similar uniform uniformity to the I don't know I know that's way in the future but no that would have been cool I love that stuff so. especially if like he gets Luke Cage and he's got a blue and then like oh wow maybe they change their mind like, sure. yellow or something like that exactly yeah I think that'd be really cool um yeah can we talk about David Tennant real quick yeah sure, yeah, yeah I wanted yeah, to we, talk about we haven't seen my... too much of him but right what we have seen uh, there's something so much fun about David Tennant in general. And then him playing a bad guy for some reason is just like, man. Yeah. I, I feel like he like really enjoys it, and he's really fun to watch too. He is. He's so much fun, and he's. But he's. It's inc- He's really good. Like he's really really good. I I didn't think that there was any possible way that they could achieve anything above or on par with um, D'Onofrio. Right. Yeah. In terms of a villain that could carry a season, you know, that we could follow through a season, it would remain interesting. And they've done it, and they might have one upped it even. I you know mean, they wow. <clears throat> they do uh, such an amazing job of conveying that feeling of paranoia and and fear. And oh, even, oh, even in only these three episodes, there yeah. there are times where Je- like when she goes to drop off Trish at the, in like episode three, and then is like. All right, I'll see you later. I was like, you're going on your own? Yeah. Because how do you fight this? Yep. He's you know a constant mean? presence, too, and I love that. It's like, very he, he good. Not, even, he's barely on screen, like you guys said, the first three hours of the show, but you're, he's constantly a presence. You feel like, it, yeah. And it's... Uh, <laughs> I was kind of sad. They didn't really keep... They kind of lost a little bit of consistency in the first episode with kind of the sanity effects on her. Mm. where they do a good job of keeping it so that they do that color shift into purple real quick where he interacts with her. And there's a few times where they hit that and he, he's like interacting with her or she's or going crazy face. or looking her face. Like there, there are a few times where they do that, where they don't do the color thing as well. Mm-hmm. And that, I was kind of like, well, that's a little bit of a bummer. Well, they kind of, they start to disappear in episodes two and three, they don't happen as much. And yeah. I think it's because at the end of episode one, she makes a conscious decision to, like, fight it head on. She, like, even has yeah, the but, line where she says, like, you can either run from it or admit that it's happening and do something about it type of thing. So I think that helps her flashbacks. But be, I'm, I'm speaking, like, even in just the first just, episode, there are points where it's him messing with her head where she's where they don't do the same visual thing like it's even i can tell you the exact moment that i'm thinking of is the one where she's walking in the hotel to get hope Mm -hmm. and he's like behind the door as she walks into a room and he comes out and they don't do it there and i'm like "Mm, 
I think that whole a, scene was pretty it's purple, a tiny wasn't it? Knit to, no, it's completely yellow, actually, mm. from what I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But I was like, I, I was like, why didn't they do it there? You yeah. want a little more consistency, maybe, with how that was presented? Yeah, and, just because you know. I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful effect, and I think yeah. it does. Yeah, all those purples, a really good job of like demonstrating and throwing you off in that instance, and just I think it's really cool. There's but. there's an, uh, a part, and this is not a spoiler at all. Later in the show, where she's going to have some sort of confrontation, you know, she's heading into a confrontation with him or involving him, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a door slightly ajar where she's walking down, and it's all purple illuminated <laughs> behind the door. And you're like, no, do not go in there. That's Don't sweet. do it. It's they, they really find cool ways to use that. That's throughout. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, the So I was watching, I watched all three episodes pretty much back to back, and I was, you know, really looking forward to eventually, the eventual confrontation with him. And the, the initial face to face is so awesome. Awesome. And the look on his face immediately reminded me of, and I've talked about this numerous times on the podcast, Edward Norton and American History X. And that look on his face when he stands up and sees her is just madness. And mm-hmm. it is so good. And it's the very, we find he's staring right into that lens, right into you. And I was watching it just going, oh, oh, like I audibly <laughs> was reacted and was just like, oh my God, like that, what, a, what an expression. And then it cuts back to her. And then it cuts back to him, and just the tiniest grin mm-hmm. forms. Like there you are. He's a master of the smirk. Oh yeah. Yes, he has full control over yeah. all these the, muscles. That tiny little muscle yes. right there. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was <clears throat> remarkable. I was like, wow, this is a really impressive final like unveiling of a villain. It was just as good as when uh, Murdoch and Fisk meet for the first time oh, absolutely. in Daredevil, which is also an incredible moment. Yeah. Yeah, I They're, love. I love the build to that. Yeah. You know. I'm glad we got it when we did. Like the Daredevil uh, Kingpin moment takes like eight or nine episodes to get there. It's a long Before they ride. actually finally meet. And then in this one, it's just there it is. It's just phenomenal. I can't wait to see what else they do with him. There are some really, truly incredible. They find ways to use his powers that you wouldn't think of. You know what I'm saying? Cool. I, I think that's very cool. I think that there's the writers were really smart about how they did it because you, it could just be as boring as like everybody attack Jessica Jones. Like every yeah. time they bump into each other, that would suck. Like I don't want to watch. They, they, after well, a while, it, all, it seems like he's really waging like a psychological war on her, which is really cool. Yeah. They're already kind of planning because we've already had the moment where she finds the room full of pictures of her. Yeah, and uh, I like the idea that he's just told like. 30 people like follow that girl around take pictures of her and text them to me like that that's kind of thing when, I, when we were you saw as i was watching that, i was like yeah. oh my god that's amazing yeah. and it's because it's just the idea that he's able to be like take pictures of this girl to the people that surround her right and keep this kind of weird surveillance network of like think about that like these people are taking pictures and probably emailing them back to him she, he probably knows where she is like pretty much at any moment. Oh, I, I love the the turning on its head of of her because uh, the wife that Luke Cage was was with, like tells her like, oh, so you why were you taking pictures of us that kind of thing. And Luke says kind of the same thing, and it clearly bothers these people that they were being photographed without their knowledge. And yeah. she just acts like it's no big deal. Like it's oh, it's my job. It's fine. Like that's that's yep. what I'm supposed to do. And which, yeah, that is what she's supposed to do. And, and she she talks about it several times. Like, oh, my job is mostly just taking pictures of people. And she 
you know, it's just another Tuesday night if she climbs up into a fire escape and spies on people. Yeah. And now she has had this turn right on its head and understands what it's like to be on the other side of the lens. And yeah. it's awesome to watch her come to that realization right at the end of episode three that like, ooh. I like that she finds not a good too. feeling. I, I like that she does work to find where he's at. Yeah. And he's just as shocked as she is when they, for, when they you know what I mean? Like there's a... I think that there's that mutual like, oh shit, you already found me, and then mm-hmm. there's that like, oh my god, he really is alive. Because you know, there's gotta be that part of it. It's like there's no way he's back, even though right. she knows he's back. Um, Until they look each other in the eye, that you don't know, yeah. yeah. And I, I, but I love it shows how capable she is. That we're we're only a few hours in, and she's already found the guy she's looking for. Like, good for her. You know what I mean? So yeah, she's that's, a good. Uh, she definitely. I like. I like how they convey her taking advantage of like technology and just little things that we go, Oh, that's common sense. Why would I not think of mm-hmm. that type of thing? Like she's very good, capable, and she uh can can play the con nicely to talk her way into situations like for a little while until someone kinda goes, eh, and she's like, Well, eh, just tell me what I want to know and then uh the scene where the guy asks her to kill him was so awesome. The guy who's like crippled yeah, and uh hooked up to breathing tubes machine. and all that. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Very good. Because I was like, I was like, I was like her. I was like, oh, he's spelling kill great. And then I was like, oh no, he's spelling kill me. Yeah, this is really sad. All of a sudden, yeah, sadder than it already was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the show is like Willie was saying, her detective work and all that is very satisfying to watch. And it's scratching an itch for me because I wanted a little more of that out of Daredevil. Mm. And you know, he he can use his powers uh, to obviously uncover a lot of evidence that other people can't. And there's one good scene in the uh, Daredevil director's cut, the movie, uh, which I would not recommend. But the director's cut <laughs> actually has a I weird... I think you have recommended it in the past on the podcast. I don't know about that. Nick's like... opinion fluctuates on that. I don't think he ever loves it. No, but... the, the director's cut, if you're going to watch a version, watch that yeah. one. Because oh, yeah. it has yeah. a good subplot where yeah. Matt Murdock does go into someone he said he knows is innocent. He goes into their home and you see him uncovering things that other people couldn't. Just using his powers. Weirdly enough, added Coolio makes that movie better. It does. <laughs> Inject Coolio into your superhero film. Put him in Fantastic Four. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. But maybe there's a cut Coolio subplot from all of the not as good superhero films. Anyway, um, you know, there's so much you can do with with Murdoch and his powers. And I'm, I'm hoping in Defenders, it's there, we get a lot of that. Like, I'm hoping there's someone where they have to team up. And like he and Jessica are doing some investigative stuff while Luke and Iron Fist are roughing people up for information. Uh, and that's, that kind of thing. I think you're, you're really hitting something important there because I think that that's one area, and I don't want to call it a failure because it's not fair, where the Avengers has, I'm using air quotes, failed. I don't ever feel like the members of the Avengers are serving a specific purpose in those movies. Does that make sense? Like, I don't feel like each person is bringing something to the team. Yeah, they all fight bad guys, but what Dude, is... Thor went to the cave. They well, and, took a bath. And the Avengers are always all pissed at each other. Right. And they don't, they don't like necessarily work well together. Their powers don't often complement each other. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see, uh, hopefully, to see that kind of idea where it's like, all right, well, we know you guys, your guys' strengths. Go get on it. We can handle right. this. I think, uh, well, and maybe it's more... And we need some X-Men fiction that does that like give us some movies or tv where the x-men use their powers and shit that's together. the group where it really would yeah. yeah but i think i think there are moments in in the first avengers particularly with their combat where yeah, they sure where they are where they are interacting the final in battle i guess feels there is super novel i remember having gigantic grins on my face seeing, yeah no seeing cap blast people or seeing iron man blast people through cap shield yeah 
Sure, like, but that's one moment well, out of but two that films. Whole, that whole final battle shows people like Hawkeye's up on the roof dealing with the people that are that are up in the air, and Thor and Hulk are taking down the Juggernauts. And like there is there is a bit of that. Yeah, to particular roles. Okay, so there's a three minute section in one of the two movies. That's well, effective. I would say that's the third act of the first movie, but. It's. I'm just saying that I think they display it well there. I think they could do it better because at this yeah. point, I just feel like the Avengers are a tool that gets thrown at problems. Well, yeah, and right. it's also so unnecessary with the Avengers. You have the Hulk and you have Thor. You're done. You won. <laughs> like you don't need Hawkeye. You don't need Black Widow. You don't. Those people never feel necessary in the movies. They feel like they're along to like appease people, and they're. Whereas with these guys, they would need each other because they don't have that guy. They don't have that yeah. heavy hitter. Like Luke will be the. And it it kind of depends a little bit on what they do with Iron Fist, exactly how supercharged they decide to make him. But they they I think they could complement each other a lot more effectively. Willie's nodding knowingly, oh, yeah. and smiling, and winking. Yeah, no, that's he wants to see someone get punched. That's a tricky character, but through I th- the torso. I will we'll take this. We'll take that offline. I don't want to. We're okay. running really long right now, so. Um. Any other thoughts on Jessica Jones? Spoileriness. Watch it. Spoileriness. It's good. Yeah, I don't even know enough to be able to spoil enough. That's yeah, the thing. I'm, I'm I don't more... think I don't think there's much that happens in the first few that would really be that spoilerish. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good mystery so far. Like, there's a lot that I don't know, and yet I, I don't know. I don't even know if, if a mystery is the right word. But there's la- there's layers to every single character you're meeting, and there's yeah. you can tell there's secrets there, and you can tell there's things that we're gonna learn that are gonna be important. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like. I have a secret, <laughs> it's, but it's it, you know what I mean. You can tell even like a character like uh, like Trish or like um, even more so the crackhead. The yeah, Lizzie. yeah. <laughs> that guy's that guy. That guy's kind of interesting. Like, what's his deal? You know. It, so it's the weird fetishy siblings are strange. That's a problem for me. Uh, yeah, not a fan. I'm of sure characters. there's they. Yeah, they seem. They seem. Awful. Fetishy. Awful, awful, terrible yeah. first draft characters that should not have been anywhere near this fucking show. Get them off my screen. So the, the neighbors in the Tom Jane Punisher movie are better? Absolutely. <laughs> They're actually all really good. John Pinette's sweet. John Pinette is yeah, really good. he's fantastic. And Ben Foster. Absolutely. They are infinitely more useful than those... Uh, I don't even want to get into it. It yeah. doesn't matter. They're awful. Yeah, <sighs> I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with Trish. She's interesting to me. I want to know... And I, I mean, even with Jessica, I want to know the source of her trauma. I want to understand. I want to know what exactly happened to these people and why they were chosen. Yeah, and so. it's and it it the season does a very good job of being self-contained, which is something that certain certain areas of Marvel have struggled with. I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that Daredevil really did a great job of being self-contained. It had room to grow. There were there were potential subplots that you could follow into a season two, but it was nothing where you go, I have to know what happens there or else the story's not complete. Same thing with this one. I'd never felt by the end of it. I went, what a great story. I hope I get another section of the story. I know they can travel down different avenues. You know what I mean? So fetish twins too. <sighs> so <laughs> dumb. I actually forgot all about that. Oh, guys, already guys. So bad. Yeah. Okay. Alex already is is catching on to the stupidity of fetish twins. Yeah, I yeah. don't see it going anywhere good. No, it's already been bad places. Yeah. So, yeah. Feedback at midwestfilmnerds dot com. Let us know what you think about Jessica Jones or anything else that we talk about or anything that you think we should be talking about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We are Midwest Film Nerds on Facebook and Vine. 
Uh, MidwestFilmmates.com has all previous 153-plus bonus episodes with full show notes and uh, time codes so you can skip over spoilatory and things like that. Willie, you look like you're about to say something. No, go ahead. Okay. Continue. I don't know. Uh, where did I leave off? Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Uh, Black, Black Friday. Yeah. Get on that. Get your Black Friday shopping done on Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Uh, you will be saving money, but you'll also be giving us a little bit of money to make things even better than they are now because they're already awesome. Anyways. Next week, um, it's going to be Creed, I'm pretty certain. I'm going to try to see The Good Dinosaur as well, as long and also six other Rocky movies that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> so we'll see what gets done and what Do doesn't. Do you want to hang out and I'll watch all the Chuckies on one TV <laughs> and you watch all the Rockies on another TV? <laughs> There's six of each. Uh, I mean, hey, I mean, yeah, it, we, we could probably make it happen. We'll chalky. Just, chalky. <laughs> Did I say chalky? No, that say? no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. oh. That's what we'll oh, call. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Our chalky night? Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Did I just give away what our next fight the franchise is? You did. You did. I can cut it's, it out it's the, it's the child's play films. Okay. Get there excited. Just get it out there. There you Hype go. Hype it up. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Kyle XY, go watch a movie. Zebediah Kilgrave.